And watch, watch. She's going to pull her hair over to the other side so elegantly because she needs to get a microphone. <laughs> Marketing, advertising, and sometimes a conversation. This is the Brand Boost Podcast. Welcome, welcome everybody to She's On First. My name is Vincenzo Landino, host of the Brand Boost Podcast. This is a new series. Sunday morning, we talk about sports business, marketing, sports culture, sports fan culture, technology, and more. Joining me is my co-host, the lovely and ever-intelligent, ever-intelligent? Is that? I don't even know. Lauren Creedon, how are you, Laura? I'm great, Vinny. How are you? I still have to get used to you calling me Vinny, but other than that, I'm doing good. Doing great, really Vincenzo. good. Vincenzo, how are um, you? I'm good. I'm good. No, no. Vinny, Vinny's good. Vincenzo's too formal. Vincenzo's like what everyone calls me. Enzo. I don't know. I think you're more of a Vinny than an Enzo, but. Ooh. Okay. Sound Hopefully not like Jersey Shore Vinny though. Cause that's not, I, I'm not sure. No, no. You're totally your own kind of Vinny. Hot take is where Lauren and I talk about some, something, no rebuttal, just a hot take on any thing we want. So I'm going to go with her first because she's on first. Oh, hot, 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 hot. My hot take this week uh, goes out to Sports Illustrated. My hot take is that recently Sports Illustrated with their swimsuit covers made one of the best branding moves for women that they've made in a while. And the reason I say that is because they featured three covers, two of which went out to women that I'd love to shout out to that I think um, helped build their brand with a women audience. One of them is Ashley Graham. The other is Ronda Rousey. So for the first time with three covers, they're featuring one female athlete and one model who I don't like the term plus size, maybe is average size um, appeal to the majority of women. And she is hot. Ronda is hot. It is, hot. I think my, my other hot take here is going to be that you can't almost give everyone your other on this blab or on this podcast is going to go search image search right now. So yeah, for everyone <laughs> driving, driving people to sports illustrated for everyone. And I'm going to add something to your hot take right now. I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to bring it up, but I figured I might as well. So Ashley Graham, the plus size model, what, whatever the model, because that's what she is, right? Uh, Gorgeous. Happens to also be my ex-girlfriend. Well, you phrased that incorrectly. I know, I did. I know, I did. (laughs) So uh, I I dated a girl uh, a few years back, actually, and her name is Ashley Graham. So it's just kind of funny because I got a phone call from my mom. She's like... Ashley, I, I, somebody said Ashley Graham was going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I said, no, it, believe me. I'm like, that's not the one I dated. Believe me. Um, I wish, but not. So well, I just thought it was kind of funny. You had me fooled this morning. He, he um, messaged me on Slack and said, yeah, uh, my ex-girlfriend is Ashley Graham. And that is a true statement. It's a true okay. statement. I don't lie. <laughs> cannot lie. Vincenzo cannot lie. Well, uh, okay. For my first hot take, I want to talk about uh, James Harden. And I, because I, I love James Harden, first of all, uh, the beard, the whole, just his whole persona is amazing. And I love what Trolley is doing with him. Trolley, the, if you guys know the gummy worms and whatnot, uh, but not just them, but other brands as well. So Taco Bell has tapped into him. And I think it's funny because he is a star. 
he's a superstar in some respects. So maybe not at the level of a LeBron James or a Steph Curry or a Kobe Bryant, but he's still a star. And he's got this really, really, he's awesomely weird, right? That's that's what Trolley has been using or, or um, the hashtag. I think that's the hashtag they've been using. But anyway, what I think is cool is those are the perfect words to describe James Harden. Like if you were to describe James Harden to someone, you'd be like, he's awesome. He's weird. So they've tapped into this <laughs> superstar with a really cool beard, a weird personality, but he just connects to millennials. And I, uh, you know, I think this millennial conversation, we're going to have this millennial conversation almost every week when we talk about sports and branding. But kudos to the brands like Taco Bell and Trolley for tapping into them. In fact, Trolley sponsored every ad on the All-Star Game Snapchat story and featured James Harden and every segment of them. So, and those videos were, I have to say, after viewing them, awesomely weird. They had right? trolley gummy worms exactly. coming out of his mouth. And they've got the <laughs> yeah. one. Did you see the one where he's got like multiple heads? Yep. Yeah, incredible. Just it, if you guys are hearing this right now, go look it up. It is amazing. Just so well done. It fits his personality. Like there couldn't be a better. And here's the thing too. He's doing it for multiple brands, right? But he couldn't fit that. Like he just couldn't fit that mold any better. He's the perfect person for it. So anyway, go check out James Harden and Trolley as well as Taco Bell. Any of the ads that he's in because James Harden is kicking butt. So rock out. Keep rocking out, James Harden. Hopefully I'll get to meet, meet James Harden one day. Like I met he Kevin He even Durant. dated a Kardashian. So he did. he's just he did. doing everything right in terms of his personal brand. You know, personal branding. If you guys thought that personal branding was dead, it's not. Speaking of which, time for our main event. I don't, didn't, you have another, didn't, didn't you have another hot take? I thought you did. So... I will Unless you be, want to hold it off to the end. I will be um I usually do one hot take a week for those of you who are new to our podcast. We like to start with hot okay. takes, then we move into our main event topics, and then I, I do two shout outs. So if you okay. want to do two hot takes, that's no fine. no no. I, I just didn't know if you wanted to take the other topic that we originally were but that's fine. We'll just wait till the end. No big deal. I could totally I'm definitely gonna off. I think I think the one you're you're mentioning is gonna be in my my shout, shout out section cool. at the end. So make sure to listen to the end. We have some fun shout outs to um, brands in sports that are killing it and women right. in sports. My thing is shouting out to women in sports. And um, I, I like to shout out somebody who tweets at me each week, a woman in sports that they feel is absolutely killing it. So I will be doing one shout out to uh, somebody who tweeted at me and one to a brand that I'm, I'm really interested in this week. Tweet, 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 tweet. It's time for the main event. Laura? So our first main event topic, um, we, we like to switch it up. Last week, we talked about esports, and we talked about... What the hell are esports? <laughs> video games, y'all. So this week, we're going to give some love to the NBA and uh, another sport that uh, is a little bit on the fringe of what, what some people would call sports, but let's start with the NBA. I'm going to shout out to the bulls, uh, hashtag BMO. Bulls. <laughs> um, the, the Chicago bulls with their campaign with BMO Harris, which is a bank hashtag BMO Vinables is a campaign on vine, um, which they have partnered with not only a sponsor, 
but a stop motion artist. So what I love about this campaign um, is that the Bulls uh, are the first NBA team to do to partner with a stop motion artist. So they're giving um, featured views, millions of views across their social channels to a local Chicago stop motion artist. Uh, they're using a channel Vine, which is an amazing channel for sports content over the last couple of years, really innovative stuff. And they're partnering with a sponsor on this. And what I like about this story is that it highlights the ways that sponsors over the last, I'd say five-ish years have really leveraged social to integrate themselves authentically with a fan experience um, and almost taken a back seat to what the campaign is that they are sponsoring. And by doing so, make a more positive impression on an audience because they're giving the audience the content they want to see while also getting a brand impression within a hashtag. What about, let's, let's talk about the dynamic between sponsor the sponsorship itself, the money, or and and the creative piece of it, because I know, uh, and in the article you and I are referencing that was out of um, I think Fast Company, there was, or the team actually mentioned that they're going lighter on the sponsorship act uh, aspect, and they're really jacking up the creative. That the creative is what they want to focus on. Yep. And you come from the sports, you know, especially sponsorship, business development background. Like, what do you think about that? Is that normal? Is that where normally you see a sports team thinking or headed? Um, and why do you think this works creatively? Uh, and and obviously, the and let's just face it, it's going to work as a sponsorship piece as well because the creative is so good. So yeah, let's take a bird's eye view at sports sponsorships for a second. Uh, brands realized a long time ago, you can see black and white pictures back to the 1930s in Fenway Park, that there are signs on the green monster for a razor blade company. Way back when brands always knew there are eyeballs here. It's, it's marketing 101. Where are the eyeballs? Let's get a brand impression. That model um, lasted and was barely innovated on until really the rise of social and digital. Mm -hmm. And um, even as, as even, even the signage that you see in ballparks and stadiums today still runs brands a rate of, you know, the smallest signs are $10,000 a year. Um, the bigger ones are into the millions. And so, but what does that do? And I think CMOs at these companies have become, um, more quantitatively, driven decision makers, and they have realized that they can't always track the ROI on a sign past eyeballs and impressions. So sponsors, the whole sponsorship world has gotten really more innovative and creative on how they are closing the loop between the fans, the team, and the sponsor. How do they authentically engage with that fan base? And so a lot of experiential marketing was done. A lot of brands really integrated themselves at the ballpark, sponsored spaces where they could interact with fans, um, it, and and sponsored camp charity campaigns. People started, brands started really innovating around doing more meaningful work with these teams and their audiences. But with social and digital, what they can now do is um, they, they can act, they can for much cheaper buy far more impressions um, on the channels that these fans are spending more time uh, with perhaps more of a an ROI and a call to action because they're 
immediately able to click through and engage with that brand as well. So what I love about what BMO has done is that they have taken a backseat, as I said earlier, they have sponsored the hashtag, they've put out, they've put out this content. You can see in the background of some of these videos, they've done seven vines so far. A lot of them are with oh, the ten, mascots. Ten vine some of them series. are with, with okay. So they have three yeah, left. Three um, so some with cheerleaders. And the first one they did was a stop motion piece with fans. And very quickly it filters through a you know, very diverse group of fans holding a sign. And in very small letters, you can see BMO. And what BMO's done is now a couple of these videos have come close to hitting a million views on Facebook alone, which is just one channel that they've repurposed these videos. Yeah. So for far, they, they, they're doing typical eyeballs and impression sponsorships within the stadium, but they're really innovating on social to connect with fans to feature fans, even in that first stop motion video they did, as well as feature artists and creatively, like you said, put an emphasis on the creative. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you a chance to react to this, but before I, I finish my, my point here, I think I want to shout out to a lot of brands beyond sports marketing that are using stop motion and using vine as a channel. Uh, there's brands like HP, Jack in the Box, BMW, Home Depot. They are they are using Vine stop motion artists. There's an ad week piece on it. Um, the the artist that the Bulls used was uh, is a guy by the name of Travis Brooks. And these brands are understanding that by cr- putting out creative content that people want to share, want to view they are engaging with an audience. They're actually using the power of social sharing to reach more and more people and not with a piece of content that looks like an ad, but with a piece of content that is creative, that is engaging, that gets you to loop it over and over, which Vine is so great at. Okay. So my reaction is more or less a reaction to Vine usage of Vine because I thought Vine was... Personally, I always I thought Vine was like, well, who the hell uses Vine anymore? Like, is Vine really being used? Much like others' reaction to Snapchat, uh, how does Snapchat work for my brands? Or, and I'm, again, I'm not going to go into that. I want to go into. I want to stick to this to Vine. So for me, even seeing this, it's a revival for not necessarily not just advertising, but it's also a way for like you said, focusing on content, focusing on creative. And in the in the podcast, uh, I, I t- talked about this a few weeks back where there's not enough brands, there's not enough businesses that focus on content. It's like, well, we need to just sell crap. We just need to push it out there. We need to ram it down people's throats. Like, come to our bank, come to our game, come buy this, come buy that. And, and nobody... Like, there's nothing there. There's no meat behind the content. Well... Here it is, these seven vines that from what I've seen, they're fantastic. And like you said, they just they loop over and over and over and over again because that's what Vine does. So and it's hard not to watch it multiple times. Like I have it up on my screen right now and I'm looking at him. I'm like, Yeah, that's so cool. And you know, like you said, BMO Harris Bank or you know, BM whatever, however you say it. Um, kudos to them for really stepping up because the banking industry, and I was in the banking industry years ago. A lot of years ago, and it it has you know innovation is not their forte. You know the finance and banking industry is not 
innovators in terms of advertising or branding or sponsorship. That's not where they go. It's it's traditional sponsorship, though, obviously, because they have the money for it, but nothing like this. And so kudos to them. But here's the one thing I'm going to give a critique. I would have shortened the hashtag to just Vinables personally. Well, I thought about that for a second. And I think this that goes back to my point about if they're going to really diminish or, or take a backseat in the content itself, um, get a really unique hashtag that is never going to be used again. It is a little long. I thought about it, but if they wanted to use Vinables and they wanted to get their brand in there, eh, I remembered oh, it. I'm not, you know? yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, not, if there's one critique on the entire yeah. thing, I would say just have gone with Vinables because and, and obviously it was created for that way. Right. So of course now here I'm thinking like, wait a minute, well, what if someone else wants to come in and sponsor and it's not BMO Harris. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, some other, whatever, some other bull sponsor and it's the Vinable. Now you're sponsoring Vinables again, totally an unnecessary critique, but I had to say something because you know, that's what I do. Well, so I, I also want to go back to what you said about vine as a channel. Um, I think that vine is a really interesting channel. Twitter bought Vine, and I think that it speaks to the way Twitter is thinking about video content and specifically f- short-form video content, and particularly as a as a vehicle for sports content. A lot of sports content... Like Twitter is, I want to say, like, there's some stat out there about how much of Twitter is sports content, but... It relates to a move they just made to incorporate GIF keyboards. Some people say GIF keyboards, GIF keyboards. Um, Graphic. Yeah. Yeah. GIF. <laughs> it's GIF. But okay. Founder, We're gonna argue. It's not GIF. Yeah. Well, the, the founder doesn't know what he's talking GIF. about. It's not a. It's not a freaking bottle of peanut butter or <laughs> peanut butter. Anyway, continue. I'm just kidding. So yeah, Twitter has integrated GIF keyboards and they've bought mine. And I think that particularly with sports content, really animated short form videos are a great way for content creators, for athletes, personal brand machines, um, and for fans themselves, the internet culture that is spread over from Reddit has really adopted memes, GIFs, vines, really short form, engaging, quick content that you can, that auto plays in the feed. I think that as a, as a, um, almost a balancing act to the longer form Periscope stuff is a great way for Twitter to engage audiences with video, with um, creative content um, that auto plays in your feed. I think, I think they're making smart moves there. And I think it's going to, it's a great channel for creators. There was, um, there was an article in the new Republic and we're sticking on to the NBA topic here and I'll give you a quote directly. Uh, We're, Actually, this has exactly everything to do with what you just said about Twitter and being kind of like this sports ecosystem. It really is. Twitter has become the epicenter of basketball fandom, a beating heart and a central nervous system, a place where serious statistical analysis flows alongside alongside highlights, jokes, exclamation, and inane trash talk from every conceivable corner of the world. Um, Vine is like, Vine is Twitter, right? Vine is exactly what Twitter. Twitter is 140 characters. Vine is this short six sec. Was it six seconds? Six seven seconds. Um, video clips. It's perfect in every way. It's a perfect matchup. And I think for I know we're going off topic of the Bulls, but I still I like the fact that we're talking about the NBA here. Um, 
they get it. They're really getting social and learning how to create really, really, really good content. Um, and I'm going to go as far as say this. I think Steph Curry, and and I'm not the biggest, like I don't, I'm not in love with Steph Curry. Like I have a bromance with LeBron. LeBron is my protein shake. Okay. okay. I think Steph Curry, like for whatever it is, he's really brought this whole like fun aspect to talking on on Twitter and using Twitter. Like he's done funny, a lot of funny stuff before him and his wife and like even with the president. And all that. But he, it's just making social more fun. And it's one of those sports where I think social is being done really, really well. Um, and- well, I, I say shout out to um, the digital and social media managers at these teams, because mm-hmm. yes, we can refer to them as the teams themselves, but oftentimes these, these people behind the scenes, and I've worked with them quite a bit at my last role in particular at the, uh, at the bulls, the content manager, digital content manager, Luca Dukic led this project. Yeah. So shout out to Luca, shout out to the Lucas all around the sports ecosystem who are helping the sports world yeah. innovates and and create amazing content and, and this is the first listen this is just the first stop motion vine project that any team has any nba team has worked on so far i don't i don't know of any other sports that are doing it either there may be but there's nothing as a conceited effort as this so i will also shout out to luca because hey you know what fantastic job stepping outside the box finding a way to get a sponsor behind it um so all around amazing amazing work there if you guys don't see it here that are watching it live i've dropped a link in uh, the show note i will drop a link in the show notes for uh, for all of you to to take a look at it's really really cool stuff our next topic we're gonna talk nascar now nascar is not like my biggest strong point because you know like i don't watch a lot of nascar but lauren is like NASCAR guru. She's like a huge NASCAR fan. She's loves NASCAR. She like goes to the NASCAR event. She sits inside the pits and whatnot. And she's like, yeah, I'm watching NASCAR. No, I'm kidding. Well, actually that <laughs> I have done all of that. I, I, I only became, I have too, but not I, regularly. I, I'm not regularly in the pit at a NASCAR uh, event either. However, I have done so two or three times. Um, have not. Let's see. Take a step back here. NASCAR, not to be confused with racing, um, IndyCar racing. There's quite a few different categories of the racing, um, the racing genre, shall we genre? call it? I know, right? Yeah. Is that really? And, and what's funny when I when I was meeting with NASCAR last year in Charlotte, the digital manager I was meeting with said something that stuck out to me. He said, "NASCAR, we are a league." If you think about that. NASCAR is not a sport. NASCAR is the NFL. It is a league. So I thought that's for any of our listeners who just want to think outside the box about this a little bit. NASCAR is a really interesting way to look at a sport. So last last week, our our featured uh, non-sport sport of the week was esports. Some people would go, "How is NASCAR a sport? They're driving in circles." Um, so let's let's talk a little at bit about miles per hour. Yep, and yep. risking death at every corner. Yeah, I think it's a sport. I really do. Well, okay, so take it one step further. Oh no! Um, tell me you're not gonna going back to last sports. week. Oh no! Don't do it. No, uh, I want you to tell me. Would you call if you call NASCAR <laughs> or if you call racing a sport? Yep. Is a driver an athlete? 
Of course. It takes a physical toll on your body to sit there for four hours, five hours, six hours, whatever it is, to go around a track. And the focus, the laser focus, it t- and I know exactly where you're going with this, and I know I'm talking myself right into proving your point. It <laughs> takes laser focus, uh, you know, not only eyesight, hand-eye coordination, you need peripheral vision, you need to have almost like a sixth sense cars around you, you need to know tactics, you need mathematical equations that you're running through your head, should I draft at this angle, should I do, I mean, it's yes, absolutely so much that goes into driving a car. I mean, you think about it. We drive cars on a daily basis, and a lot, of, most of us suck at that. Imagine driving at 200 miles an hour with 40 other guys that are trying to, you know, fly by you. Absolutely, a sport. Yeah. The number one, the number one thing I think about when I when I want to prove to anybody that race car drivers are athletes is the dehydration that goes on when you're driving. You mentioned it taking a physical toll on you. I've talked to drivers before who tell me how much they sweat in those cars based on how hot it is and the physical exertion they're undergoing and how much water they have to drink while they're driving to hydrate. Those cars are so stripped down. People don't realize that those cars, Mm -hmm. there's nothing in them. There's barely anything between you and a motor that is cranking, that is pulling you along at 200 miles per hour. There's not much there. Okay. And you're in this fire retardant suit so that if you crash and your car burns up, you don't die. Uh, Yeah. And have you ever gone (laughs) IndyCar racing for fun? Yeah without that power steering like it's actual oh, physical it's exertion too. i love it's, that yeah i love no power okay. steering so way. so we're established on that like, now on my power steering just so i can have that feel <laughs> i'm sure you do with all those uh sponsored cars you get oh yeah right that's yeah, a smart thing to do. something's wrong here um shout okay out, so that shout out to mazda for the mazda six this week by the way nice love mazda <laughs> corny so anyway. selfless shout out right there Now that we've established that NASCAR is a sport and that race car drivers are athletes, Mm -hmm. I would love to end that NASCAR itself is a league, not a sport. I'd love to spend some time talking about what, so the, the headline that inspired us today is that NASCAR will be doubling its presence in Snapchat live stories. And so we will, I'd love to talk about uh, NASCAR as a league doing things in digital to reach an audience and to engage fans on social go for it well here's the thing so the headline that we were talking or looking at listening or whatever watching was the nascar with snapchat live story specifically right so mm-hmm. and like you said lauren they're doubling their presence there and they want to partner with with snapchat to highlight at least four races four i'm i'm assuming and i didn't read the entire article but i'm assuming that they're going to do daytona because daytona 500 because they'll why even have, not <laughs> they'll even have special filters for it yeah. so you can picture it um being much like what the nfl did where the filters will even and i thought this was interesting the filters will even have education opportunities for fans so with facts about the drivers about the league about the sport Mm -hmm. um on those filters to educate users who might not be fans who are you know so one of the top objectives of any campaign like this is conversion um of of a fan base and and so jill gregory nascar senior vice president of marketing and industry services said had this to say i'm going to read this quote 
It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, every marketer loves to hear this, right? The traditional channels are very important and we're, we're never going to go away from that. Awesome, right? True. But, but, big but, huge but, if we want to get, I was going to make some funny like Nicki Minaj joke or something, but if we want to get younger and more diverse, younger and more diverse, if we want to get younger and more diverse, we have to share this type of content and do it, hold on, where they are. And for those of you that couldn't watch me, I was clearing out my ears to make sure I heard this properly. We have to do it where they are. We can't always expect the fans to find us. So the old adage of build it and they will come doesn't always work, right? No matter how good you are. We have to push our content proactively out to them. So by partnering with someone like Snapchat, that's our way of putting NASCAR content in front of more people. So to build up on that. Interesting. Yeah. So from, from as recently as I could find before this recording today, only about 10% of NASCAR fans these days are in the 18 to 24 demographic. So that is, that is very low for a sport, uh, especially for a sport that's really using social the way they are, but about 37, 40% of NASCAR fans have kids under age 18. So the sport, the league knows that there are conversion opportunities. There, there's, there are ways to reach this younger demographic. Yeah. So you're, you're spot on. I mean, you know, in NASCAR, here's the thing. NASCAR has a lot of uh, loyalties. It's a kind of a geographic thing, right? It's probably one of the most geographic. Um, I don't want to say restrictive because it's not restricted, but there's there's definitely a geography of the country where you're like oh right, that's where they yep they're kind of located right there NASCAR fans well, right well um my my first experience with NASCAR was in New Hampshire at the Loudon Motor Speedway yep, so that's actually where I went for the first time yeah so there are certain parts of the country mm-hmm. that are geographic but in terms of the more interesting part to me about how loyal NASCAR fans are is that there have been so many studies done on NASCAR fan loyalty to the brands that sponsor their favorite drivers. And exactly there, there are so many studies that show like the drivers that are sponsored by Hyde or GoDaddy or some of the big ones that you remember with drivers like Danica Patrick, uh, the, the fans of those drivers are really loyal to those brands. And so NASCAR made huge moves in the sponsorship world with brand sponsorships. Um, They even did, I, I mentioned that NASCAR fans have, a lot of children under the age of 18. Um, they did a big, they, they even had a, a race sponsored by Nickelodeon and called the race, the SpongeBob SquarePants 400. And that got so much attention on social, so much attention from the kids of these fans. It kind of, it was a olive branch to younger fans to say, we know what you care about. We're, we're working innovatively to tie in visual sponsorships. So you mentioned loyalty. You me- I, I mentioned, mentioned brands loyalty. that are using these these drivers. Uh, I think you mentioned it first. But anyway, the only thing I mentioned um, was the geographic <laughs> regions of the country that are are usually or that historically enjoy NASCAR. Right with the NFL, the you can't. There's no one like oh, there's it's really really popular in this area. No, it's not. Any really almost any sport is not 
doesn't fit that category except for NASCAR. And so I, I really like that NASCAR is stepping outside the box. Again, we're talking about this outside the box creative thinking to leverage Snapchat because like you said, their fans have children of that age. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be listen, I'll be honest with you, our age range, which is millennials, I don't I don't think NASCAR was huge ever. In 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 it's growing up and listen, growing up in the Northeast, you did too. It wasn't huge, at least not in Connecticut. I'm sure it wasn't in Boston. Like it's just not. And stepping out, making it cool, showing I, I'm really, really curious to see what they're going to do with these live stories is going to be uh, I would say it's a breakthrough for the sport. A huge breakthrough for the sport to the point where you can turn it into Something that people watch on the second screen. Listen, I can't sit there and watch cars go around in a circle for four hours. It's not going to happen unless it's live. Unless I go there live. I love watching live racing. Live NASCAR is amazing. Feeling the cars rumble. But you can't get that vibe from sitting on your couch, right? You just don't get it there. It just doesn't happen. Like, I can't sit on my couch and be like, wow, I feel the rumble and smell the burning rubber. And like... It's unlike anything else. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's one of those Very experiences you need to be... But... If I can create these experiences, these secondary, these tertiary experiences on my phone, right, through Snapchat or iPad, my laptop, whatever it is, well, now you know what? Now you got people sitting around in maybe they're not sitting on their couches. Maybe they're elsewhere walking, sitting at the park, and they're watching NASCAR, and they're getting a behind-the-scenes view, right? We keep talking about these behind-the-scenes views, and it seems to be coming everywhere because what do fans want? And you would know this better than I would, but what if, you know, well, I'm a fan. So actually I know this just as well as you do as a fan. I would, I, that's what I want to see. I want to see inside. And now they've done that a little bit, right? NASCAR did try to do that even on the live broadcast, like the cockpit views and hearing the chatter. So it added, it added a little bit to it, but you still don't feel like mm, there's, there's something missing, right? I want to see something else. Um, well, so I, 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 there's three more things I do want to talk about. With NASCAR. Three, and three, specifically three, everybody. Yeah. So the first one is going to build off of what you're talking about. And, and I think I've, I've learned this heavily over the last couple of years. I used to say things like, oh, I can't watch NASCAR. I can't watch cars going around in a circle for four hours. And I think that's where the stories of these drivers come into play. NASCAR, I have learned, and and racing in general, has so much to do. Their fan bases have so much to do with the individual stories and personalities of these drivers. So the sport has been very good. You see sports catching up, like the James Harden story you said earlier. Um, This sport has always been about building fan bases off of the personality and the individual brands of these drivers uh this is this this sport has pioneered that they do they do a lot to each each individual driver has a team that helps build their personality i worked with uh, a family of racers the dillons i worked with ty and austin dillon and their manager at FanCred, and they even did things like uh ty dillon wanted to connect with other panthers fans he wanted to interact with young people on social, he even used fantasy sports sites as a way to connect with fans and bond over the fact that he was an average guy. This is his personality. He, he broadcast their fantasy football draft, things like that to use digital to say, I want to, I want to root for this driver. I want to support him on social media to drive the sport as a whole forward. Would you say that NASCAR much like golf or even tennis is a sport where you 
you really do want to see that person's personality or your, your that athlete's personality more so than a team sport? Well, what's interesting is, yes, the answer to that is absolutely yes. However, what I also didn't know was that these are team sports. These um, right. these drivers are part of a team. Correct. So what's funny is when you think of this sport, you don't realize how it really is structured very similarly to other leagues where there's a league mm-hmm. with a team of players that all compete for for that, that same team. There is a team. Fun. I would agree. There are teams. There's racing teams, but you still have loyalty to a specific driver i'm not gonna be like oh i'm a penske i'm a penske racing team i mean maybe i maybe there are maybe i'm just so far out of tune with nascar <laughs> but i would think like well i'm a jeff gordon i love i like jeff gordon i you know i like kevin harvick kyle bush jimmy john i mean those are my that's my racer i i think that's how it works maybe not and if i'm in if i'm wrong and you're listening to this you can totally tweet at me and be like you're an idiot you know nothing about nascar stop talking like please do that word for word tweet at me if that's the case and you're listening to this well team loyalties do extend into the next generation of drivers to join that team so if you and and a lot of these teams are based on either family generations or teacher learner driver generations um there's also loyalty to the number of the car that you're driving so i'm a chase um, elliott fan already just because he's he's got the 24 and i'm well there can even right well so some people um will be loyal will even be so loyal as to not like it when another driver takes a, a number of a car that was previously held by a legend so there's 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 a lot a lot at play. I, I, I've just touched on it. There's two more points we have to get to, though. Um, the first is the quicker one. That is that you mentioned this this league, NASCAR, how it's interacting with millennials. I would say that there's another racing league or, um, yeah, another racing league, Forza, who's using esports, which we talked about last week, to connect with millennials. And they are they have the Forza racing game that they've put out with Xbox one that makes millennials on their couches, playing video games into the drivers themselves. They, they have an amazing game that maps out these race courses just as they appear in real life. My boyfriend was playing Forza the other day and his dad walked into the room and he goes, Oh, that's Watkins Glen. Watch out up here. It's going around the corner. He knew the track by heart from having watched it. And you're watching this video game and he was able to tell you what curves were coming up. So it's like, that's a testament to another way that these leagues, these racing leagues are using digital esports, um, all different types of forums to collect with millennial connect with millennials. So anyway, I know I, <laughs> we're not going to get into esports again. My third point on NASCAR is that three years ago in 2013, NASCAR partnered with HP to launch a fan and media engagement center, which is a whole interactive media command center that looks like Starship Control in their on their digital floor of their headquarters in Charlotte. And I will tweet out a picture of the HP NASCAR Fan and Media Engagement Center after this podcast. It is so cool that you walk into the room and there are you know, 15 TVs. Uh, it took them 18 months to build this, this command center, and it was designed to help the teams, the tracks, the sponsors, their broadcast partners like Fox and NASCAR itself to get more data on fan and media reactions. So first of its kind, this command center was built to monitor 
social commentary, monitor what people are saying, what fan sentiment is like, hashtag efficiency, um, positive versus negative impressions, how much one driver is being mentioned over another, um, first of its kind, and HP sponsored it. So they, they are, they, they, they're doing things to revolutionize digital monitoring uh, quantitatively ever since 2013. This is for listening. So if, if you're wondering what it's all about in this communication center, it has nothing to do with NASCAR trying to control communications. It's actually for them. It's allowing them to respond faster. It's allowing them to know the depth and the breadth of conversations that are being had about their sport, their league drivers, you know, and, and much, much more. So amazing, amazing little, uh, digital center that they got going on and they've had that. I mean, that's been there. That was, that's what three years old. They've had that, right? Yeah. And it's working for them. It said they, they reported that they, through that social listening, they were actually able to generate over 4 billion social impressions across all their platforms in 2015. So they've applied their learnings. They have really done well when it comes to social and digital engagement. That's all for the main event. Next, we have shout outs. All right. First. So my first shout out. Or you're on fire, either one. (laughs) I am first and I am on fire. And my first shout out is going to a great recommendation from our friend Jeremy Wolf. Thank you for Shouting out Jeremy. Uh, he is on Twitter. You can find Jeremy at JetsLove81. He tweets Sorry, more dude. Than Jets. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, spare him because he also appears that he also loves other sports. He tweets at Lauren Creedon should shout out at Shocks, spelled S-J-O-K-Z. She is and has done amazing things in esports as an on-air host and interviewer and more against all odds. Uh, Shocks is how you pronounce her handle. It's uh, a Dutch pronunciation. Her name is Ifia de Portera. Uh, she is a Belgian TV host, esports player, beauty pageant contestant, who is currently hosting the European League of, Leg- League of Legends Championship Series for Riot Games. Um, she has done a YouTube show on SK Gaming's YouTube channel. She was one of the first League of Legends shows overall. Uh, and she, in even as far back as 2013, hosted the League of Legends World Finals in LA at the Staples Center. This is a great continuation off of our chat last week on esports and the rise of esports. And I'm so happy to shout out to a woman in sports in esports. So again, you you pronounce her handle shocks. It's S-J-O-K-Z. Look her up on Twitter. She liked your tweet, Jeremy Wolf, this morning. So she's tuned in. Way to go, Ifia. First shout out goes to Nike for dropping Manny Pacquiao, knocking his ass out. Um I think he deserved it. And I was a Manny Pacquiao fan. I, I liked it. Um, I'm not commenting on what he said. I just think in 2016, I don't care what background you come from, what religion, what ethnicity, it doesn't matter. You can't say the things you say when you represent a brand. If you want to have your own voice, great, but not when you represent a brand, especially a brand like Nike that has so much on the line. They sponsor all types of athletes from all types of colors, creed, religions, etc. that 
for Pacquiao to say anything that he did is asinine to the umpteenth degree. Shout out Nike for dropping his ass. And you know what? More brands need to follow suit. More brands need to get rid of athletes that make them look bad. And we see this all the time with a lot of athletes that do stupid, stupid things. And yet they're still making millions of dollars on sponsorship. When you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to play a sport, while there's millions upon millions of others that work their asses off day in and day out to make nothing in comparison to you, you are held to a higher standard. And um, so again, shout out to Nike for doing that. My second shout out goes to a sports tech company by the name of Huddle, H-U-D-L. They took a spot, a, a couple spots above Snapchat in the Fast Company, Most Innovative Companies of 2016. Get this, a company that a lot of you have never heard of, Huddle, taking spots above Snapchat as Most Innovative Companies. So Huddle produces mobile video software that many outlets have proclaimed are transforming sports. You may not have heard of them, but did you know that hundreds of thousands of coaches and athletes around the world use Huddle? They are valued at $250 million. They've been around for 10 years. They're headquartered in Lincoln, Nebraska. I got the privilege of visiting them this week. And they are not only an amazing sports company transforming the sports world, they are a fabulous tech company. And um, their, their goal is to capture and add value to every moment in sports. What they do is they create video software that allows the exchange of game tape, the review of game tape, uh, and um, analysis of game tape for football teams, basketball teams, volleyball, soccer, individual sports, you name it. They've put out apps. They've acquired different companies. They are changing the game in video technology and video analysis for sports teams, helping coaches coach better and players play better. And my final shout out is to the Toronto Raptors partnering up with IBM Watson for cognitive analysis of the talent evaluation process using a computer, the computer that won on Jeopardy, by the way, right? IBM Watson. Uh, to, to, it's called IBM Sports Insight Central. It pulls data from a variety of sources, including statistics, video, social networking, sentiment analysis, sentiment analysis. So we just talked about this with Nike, right? So this goes in perfectly. This goes in with Nike and, and, and them booting Pacquiao. So talking about social network sentiment analysis, it also compares me, uh, medical records and so much more. And then it compares this data against a team's needs, like the player's likeliness of succeeding, staying healthy, working well with coaches and teammates for the duration of the contract. Very, very cool to see this go into effect. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if this makes the Raptors a better, what, more cohesive team. You know, because those that's like the holy grail is to get it, especially in basketball, to get five guys that can work together and obviously any team sport. But basketball, working the floor for 48 minutes a night is super, super important. Uh, I'm just I'm curious to see how this works and see if this if cognitive analysis and IBM Watson. Very curious to see how this goes. But a shout out again for an NBA team stepping outside the box and teaming up with uh, with IBM for that. Shout out to IBM Watson, too, because over the past couple of years, I have seen them and their rep representatives at many different sports media, sports digital 
sports tech conferences. They are getting up there. They're talking to teams and really getting their technology in the mix. Well, I would also like to share guess not. Uh, that I, I help out here and um, ask you guys to please subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to the brand boost podcast. Every Sunday you will receive the notification for the she's on first podcast. Um, I would also love it. If you, if you like this podcast, if you like brand boost, if you love she's on first, leave us a rating. It really does help. It helps other people discover us. It helps our audience grow. It helps more people join the room here on blab the weeks upcoming for those of you who will be joining us again and uh, leave us a review um, tweet at us, tweet at me, any women in sports you want to shout out for next week. And um, that would really help us out. So thanks. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Brand Boost Podcast. She's on first series with my co-host, Lauren Creedon. I look forward to yet another week. And until tomorrow, ciao. Ciao. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost Podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to brandboostcast.com forward slash subscribe.